Well, it's so good to see you guys here tonight. I'm really glad you could make it. This, this weekend is Labor Day weekend, and so many of our friends are out enjoying the outdoors and hanging out with each other. But historically, Labor Day weekend is symbolic. It means the end of one thing and, and the beginning of another, and it's totally my favorite time of year. I just love this cool weather. But I'm really excited about that. I want to get started with you tonight by reading this scripture. If you guys have your Bible, turn with me to the book of James. We're going to be putting the words up on screen. So if you don't want to flip through it, it's kind of dark for some of you. We're going to have it up here. So James 4.8, James chapter 4, verse 8 says, As we draw closer to him, he comes closer to us. As we draw closer to him, he draws or comes closer to us. Now, the Bible has so many different types of passages. There's some verses that you've got to kind of read a couple of times, right? This is one of them that's so simple, and those are my favorite. But uh, we've learned over the last several months that it's God that changes us, right? We've learned that it's, it's Jesus Christ, this relationship with him that changes who we are. And as we get closer to him, he comes closer to us. And as we build this relationship, as this thing grows, we start to see him for what he really is. We start to see that he's beautiful and that he cares about us and, and that he loves us and, and that he restores us, right? Well, the other thing that happens is as we get to know him, we see that over the years of our life, there is this absolute futility of trying to do it ourselves, And we've seen that it's just such a counterfeit thing and, and this void that we have, it's never really filled. It's just temporary and it just doesn't work. And, and some of you guys, are, you're seeing that for the first time. Some of you guys are seeing that, that you're a prized possession. And as you're taking these new steps, like in James 4.8, as you're getting closer, you're starting to understand that you have this value. That you, that you count for something and that you're worth something. And it's a wonderful thing. I want to read with you another passage in Proverbs 8. If you guys have your book, the Bible, sometimes if you take the Bible and just like let it flop open, you're almost on Proverbs. But Proverbs 8.35 says, For whosoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. So this passage, it, it describes so many of us tonight. When we, read, when we read this, we see that we're seeing this life. As we're taking these steps and as we're getting closer, we're seeing this new life develop, right? Well, the second part of that says, receives favor from the Lord. What is it to mean to re receive favor? What is favor all about? In, in the context that we're going to read about favor tonight, we're going to talk about this. It's a, con favor is to look upon fondly, to prefer an attitude approval of liking over generous preferential treatment, right? So that's favor. So how does that apply to me? How does favor apply to us? What, what exactly does that mean? We're going to talk about that, but if you take one thing out of here tonight, if everything else goes over your head or under your seat or out the door, there's one thing that I want you guys to remember, right? It's that God favors us. And that when everyone else completely writes you off or discards you, that, that God favors you. So we're going to talk about this guy that, that had God's favor, and we're going to read about the ups and downs in his life. Anybody here have a life that's up and down? Up and down, and then around and around we go, well, this guy Joseph, we're going to read about him. Problems everywhere he went. I know so much what that's like when, when you go over here and there's a problem with work, and then over here, there's finances and, and your spouse and, and then your kids. And it's like you're just completely 
surrounded with problems. Well, Joseph, he was one of these people that it seemed like everywhere he went, there was some little issue or some problem, right? But there's one thing I want to make clear to you is that God's favor in our life does not equate to comfort. You see, favor and comfort are completely separate things, and we're going to talk about this. See, so often we equate the favor with comfort. And we, we think that I wouldn't be going through this mess right now if God favored me. If he really loved me, I wouldn't be dealing with all these problems and issues and why is this happening to me, right? And then we fall away sometimes. Or, or we see something we don't like or, or something happens and it's like, are you serious again? And when we start to lose faith and we, we feel like, why am I doing this? And we start to question ourselves, right? Well, we're going to read about Joseph. If you guys have your Bible, verse, uh, we're going to start in Genesis, in chapter 37. Genesis is in the beginning. There's a lot here, and I'm moving kind of fast, but I'll have the key passages up screen. So Joseph, in verse 37, Joseph was the youngest of several kids. His father was Jacob, and he had like 12 sons. And Joseph was the youngest. In chapter 37, verse 3, it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Now, I have a question for you. Have you guys ever seen favoritism? Have you ever maybe been the favorite of a parent or seen that your sibling or, your, or whatever was, seemed to be favored by your parent? How did that make you feel? It was kind of weird, right? Well, so right out of the gate, we see that jo- or Jacob, he favored Joseph. He, he favored him. It said it was for his old age or whatever the reason is. I got to tell you, I, I think that's kind of screwed up. I mean, I, I would hate it if any of my kids thought that I actually favored one more than the other. It would just tear me up. And sometimes I think that we think that though, right? So where we pick up on this story, Joseph, he's 17 years old. He's a teenager, and his dad, Jacob, he makes him this robe. He makes him this multicolored, well, the Bible says it was either colored or, or noisy, like they had ornaments or bells on it, but he makes him this robe, and it's, it's a token of his favoritism towards him. When he has this robe for him, it's like, you're my boy, Joseph, and it just, it, it was his way of saying that I love you. So I want to pick it up in 37.3. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. So that's the expected result of favoritism, right? We see this, this fracture in the relationship between these brothers. And, and you know, they, they loved this, he loved his other son more than them, and, and it caused all this static. Well, I would imagine that Joseph wore this robe everywhere. I would imagine that, you know, this was like his pride, man. He, he would wear it everywhere he went, and, and it was bright and colorful, and, and you could see him coming forever. And every time his brothers would see this thing, it would be a reminder of their father's favor to him. It would remind them that, that dad loved Joseph more than them, and, and they would get all irritated, and it says they hated him. Well, it gets better. See, Joseph, Joseph was a dreamer. The Bible says that Joseph had dreams. A lot, of, a lot of people in the Bible have these dreams. Well, Joseph has that, this dream one day. He and his brothers are out in this field, and they're harvesting grain. They're chopping this grain, and they, they roll it up into these bundles. 
Well, Joseph dreams that his bundle stands up, and his brother's bundles bow down to him. So Joseph, he, he decides to tell his brothers about this dream. And verse 5 says that when they heard it, they hated him even more. They ask him, they're like, you, you seriously think that we're going to bow down to you? You, you think you're going to reign over us? And, he, and he's got his little robe on, and, and they just hated him for it, right? Well, you think that Joseph would see this response from his brothers, and maybe kind of keep it to himself next time, but he doesn't. In verse 9, he has this other dream, right? He dreams that the sun and the moon and 11 stars, he's got 11 brothers. He, he dreams that the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bow down to him. So what does Joseph, he goes to his father this time with his brothers present, and he, and he says, hey, I had this dream that these stars and the sun and moon bowed down to me. Well, Jacob, he kind of gets irritated at it. He, he's his favorite son, but it says that he scolded him. He's like, really? You think that mom and me are going to bow down to you too? And your brothers? And, and so the brothers, they all get jealous and and they get so upset with him. And verse 11 says, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So later on, his brothers, they're, they're out tending to the flocks. They're like shepherds, and they're out taking care of the flocks. And, and Jacob says to Joseph, I want you to go out there and check on them. I want you to go check on your brothers and then come back with the report. Verse 37, 18 says, so Joseph, or Joseph goes out there and checks. Verse 37, 18 says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. He's got this robe, right? And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns. We could tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what happens to his dreams. We'll see what becomes of his dreams. So the brothers, he, he's approaching them, and, and the brothers are talking about it. And, and it would take a lot of frustration and a lot of anger to actually think about killing your brother, right? Well, that's what they were doing. But they talk about it, and they actually decide, well, let's not kill him. We're just going to throw him in this pit for a while. We're just going to throw him in this pit, and we're going to take that robe off of him. How, how about we take that robe off of him? So they, they strip him of this robe, and they throw him in this pit. So Joseph... He's in this pit, and, and this caravan comes by. These traders were going to Egypt. They're on their way to Egypt, and, and the brothers actually sell Joseph to these traders. 20 pieces of silver. I don't know if that's a good deal or not. 20 pieces of silver, and, and they're going to tell their father. In verse 32, it says, look what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? They, they took goat's blood and, and covered it up to make it look like he got killed and eaten, right? So Jacob, he's convinced that Joseph is dead. Joseph is sold to this guy named Potiphar in Egypt. Now, Potiphar is the head of the palace guard for Pharaoh. Pharaoh's the king of Egypt. Potiphar, it runs a show at the palace with the guards and stuff. So Joseph is sold to them. But I want to stop for a moment and ask you guys a question. Do you think that Joseph lost his favor? Do you think that Joseph lost his favor? His entire world was just turned upside down. One moment, he's at the top of his game. He's the favored of 12 sons to this father. He's got this robe to show it. And all of a sudden, his world's turned upside down. Do you think that he lost his favor? So many years go by, and we're going to pick this up in verse, chapter 39, verse 2. 
Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. So the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord stayed with him. His blessing, it stayed with him. The favor stayed with him. Even though his world had been rearranged and turned upside down, the favor was still there, right? You see, people take notice when God's at work in your life, right? People take notice. And some people, some people here are seeing that tonight. You've taken those steps like in John 4 or James 4, 8. You're starting to take those steps and you're seeing a difference in you and other people are taking notice. They're seeing that you're different, right? It was the same way with Joseph. His master Potiphar saw this. In verse 39.3 it said, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was pleased with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of the entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. So things are going pretty good, right? How many business owners would like a guy like Joseph running the show for him? How many employers would like an employee like Joseph? Things he touched just kind of turned to gold like Midas, right? He's successful and he's got this favor on him and things work out, right? So everything's good. It's all going good. But here's where the story, it, it turns for him. We talked about problems being up and down, right? Well, here's where the story turns for Joseph. It says that Joseph was a handsome and well-built man. He was yoked, right? So Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph, just like everybody else. Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph. It says over the course of several days, she tried to get Joseph to sleep with her. It says she kept pursuing him and kept pressuring him, right? But he refused time and time again, and he told her it would be a sin against God to do that. One day, they were alone. And this woman, she was completely relentless with her attempts to do this. She says, come sleep with me. But this time, she actually grabs Joseph's cloak. She grabs his cloak, and he has to tear himself away from her. And he runs, he runs out of the house, completely runs away from her, right? And guys, this is a great example of what to do with temptation, right? When you have temptation, you go the other way, and you just take off, and you leave it there. But the problem is, she, she had Joseph's cloak, She's still got his cloak. She takes off, but he's got his, he takes off, but she's got his cloak, right? She actually tore it off of his body. So she takes his cloak and she tells Potiphar, her husband, the opposite of what happened. She tells him this lie that, that it was Joseph that came on to her. Well, he gets completely furious about it. And he puts Joseph in prison. So he goes from being the head of this guy's estate, puts him in prison. I want to ask you guys this again. Do you, do you think that the favor stopped there? I want you to think about it for a moment. Do you think that Joseph's circumstances, do you think, do you think that it just stopped? Or did it go with him again? The last time he lost a cloak, he ended up in a, as a slave, right? So, let's read verse 21. 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. 
and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. There's that word again, favorite. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So he favored him. It wasn't about his circumstances at the time. It wasn't about what he was going on or what was going on. His favor was on Joseph wherever he went. So Joseph finds himself in prison. He's not in the regular prison. He's in the place where the king's prisoners go. And when he's down there, he's running the game, but he finds himself with the chief baker from the king and the cupbearer. Now, I don't know how a baker would get into prison. I don't know if he, like, burned bread or, or what, but the, the baker was in prison, and, and the guy that holds Pharaoh's cup is with him. So these guys, they wake up one day, and they look really upset. Now, we know that Joseph's a dreamer, right? That he used to have dreams when he was a kid. Well, these guys tell Joseph, man, we had these dreams. We had these dreams, and, and we just don't know what to make of them. So Joseph says, well, let me hear it. So these guys, they, they tell Joseph his dream. The cupbearer starts, and he starts talking to him about this dream. And Joseph says, I got good news for you. In a couple days, you're going to be back in the palace to your old job. You're going to be holding the cup again for your, for your pharaoh. And the baker's like, ooh, do me, do me. Yeah. So he's like, oh, well, um, yeah, in, in three days, you're going to be executed. So it kind of sucks to be you, but... Either way, they both, he, he was able to tell them both of their dreams, right? So Joseph tells the cub bearer, just remember me when you go back up there. When you go back to Pharaoh, just kind of remember me, right? Well, he forgets. He gets his job back and he completely forgets. So two years go by and, and Joseph is still in prison. Two years he's, he's incarcerated, he's falsely accused, and, and he's doing time for something he didn't do, Right? Two years goes by. Well, Pharaoh, in the meantime, the king, is having these funny dreams. Pharaoh's having these dreams, and, and he, he calls out to all the people in his kingdom, who can tell me what these dreams mean? Nobody could tell him. Everybody was like, man, I just don't know. So the cupbearer is sitting there holding the cup, and he's probably shaking. He's probably really nervous to say anything. But he's like, um, Pharaoh, you got this guy named Joseph? And when I was in prison and I had a dream, he told me that I'd have my job back, and I did. And he said the baker was going to be executed, and you killed him. So Pharaoh, he sends for Joseph. He sends for Joseph. So Joseph, it says that he shaved and he changed his clothes before he met with Pharaoh. The third time that he, that he changes the clothing, that he loses the clothing that defined his existence at that moment. And then he goes to see Pharaoh, and he, and he listens to the dreams, right? So Pharaoh tells Joseph, I'm having these dreams about these fat cows and these skinny cows. I'm having dreams about these grains of wheat that are just perfect. Then I have these dreams about these grains of wheat that are just all jacked up. What is it? Nobody can tell me what this is. So Joseph tells Pharaoh, he's like, man, God's giving you a dream. He's telling you that there's going to be some good times followed by some bad times. And you've got to put somebody in charge. You've got to put somebody in charge, right? So Pharaoh is just so taken by what Joseph has to say. 
he sees the spirit of God at work in his life. Even though he's a prisoner, he sees what God is. He sees God in him, right? So in verse 40, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 40, verse 38, Pharaoh says, can we find anyone like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? So that's Pharaoh. He's, he's taken by Joseph and he's telling everybody, is this, is this the only one? Are you serious? So he puts Joseph in charge of his kingdom. He says, Joseph, only I, in verse 40, it says, only I sitting on the throne will have a rank higher than you. From this point forward, you are second in charge. And then he appoints Joseph to this problem that's coming. He appoints him to start dealing with, with this drought that's coming and this, these good times that are coming. So Joseph, we know that how everything he touched just kind of turns to gold, right? Well, it says that, that these crops were just so abundant and plentiful that they even lost numbers to count them. That the grains in the storehouses were so vast that it was like counting the sand of the shore or the sea. So many of them. So in this prosperous time, Joseph becomes to save the day. He's got God in his life, right? The story goes on and we find that Joseph and his, and his brothers were also coming across these hard times. Now we're two years into the famine. We're two years into this rough time and they're kind of running out, running out of food. So Jacob, he sends his sons to Egypt. He says, go get some food. Go get some, you know, we're going to starve. Go get some food, right? So the brothers, they, they go there and they counter Joseph in Egypt. The brothers had sold him. But he's a grown man now. He's all yoked out and he's probably dressed really nice and they don't even recognize him. And Joseph, he's, he's kind of like he's undercover. He's not saying who he is. They're not remembering him. He's not saying nothing. And, and there's so much dialogue that goes back and forth and there's trips back to their father and they're sending messages and stuff. And, and, and his brothers still don't recognize him. And Joseph, you, you, if you read it, I would encourage you guys in your time. There's so much to go over right now, but in your free time, read this story and you'll see how it just pains Joseph's heart, his heart, not to reveal himself and, and be reunited with his family. But So they have all these conversations and, and there's one day where his brothers are actually on the ground kneeling for him, kneeling, bowing down to him, just like he said they would when he was a 17-year-old kid wearing this multicolored robe. It all came to pass, right? Well, later on in chapter 45, we see this amazing thing happen. Joseph, he actually reveals himself to his family. First, he's concealing his identity, right? He's concealing it from him. But after some time, he, he actually decided to reveal it to him. And he says to him, the first thing he says is, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? It says that his brothers couldn't answer him because they were terrified at his presence. He says, is my father still alive? Right? Verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So he tells his brothers, this whole thing was God's will. 
I know you guys were angry at me. I know you guys hated me, but it was God's will that this happened. It was God's will that, that I went through all of this. It was God's will that through the ups and through the downs of my life, it was all God's will. And what I love about this is how Joseph, how he sees the bigger picture. You see, he didn't get so caught up in this moment. He didn't get all bent out of shape when he was sold as a slave. He didn't get all upset when he was falsely jailed. He trusted God and he, and he persevered through it. He saw through these moments from the time he was the apple of his father's eye to the time that he was running Egypt. The good and the bad. So he remained faithful. And the story, it's a beautiful story. And it goes on and Joseph, he's reunited with his father. And, and when his father finds out who he really is, he can hardly believe it. But we see how the favor of God, it, it just follows Joseph. And we see how that favor, how it stays with us. Even in these circumstances that are just completely jacked up, even in the face of problems, the favor of God, it, it just stays with us. I want to read with you one more verse. In Psalms 5.12, it says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. So it's true that, that we may have these problems and these things that we go through every day. Our faith is tested. Our faith is stretched. But God's favor, it doesn't depart from us. His favor is within us. It says that. It says that it stays with us. And when we look at Joseph's life, we see this favor that followed him wherever he went. We're going to take communion in just a few minutes. I'm not sure what's going on in everybody's life. I, I obviously have no clue. But I want you to know that whatever it is you're going through, whatever these problems are that you're dealing with, when you're taking those first steps, like in James 4.8, when you start drawing closer, we need to understand that God's favor it stays with us. It's always there. And it says it's like a shield and it completely surrounds us. And I gotta tell you that I, I take such comfort in that. And in just the fact that I know that, man, he's just all around me. Yeah, there's, there's things that I deal with and that, that get to me, but I know that his favor, it's solid. It's like a rock, it's just solid, and I, I don't have to worry about that part. Because I'm his, and he favors me, and he cares about me, and I'm valuable, just like you are. Just like every one of us are. So, let's pray, and let's take communion. Let's take these gifts that, that remind us of the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could be in his grace and and we could experience that favor personally. If you guys afterwards want prayer, this is the moment, this is the part of our service. It's like my favorite part where we actually just turn everything else off and we just focus on him. And if you're here tonight and you want prayer, we care about you and we want to pray with you. I'll be up here, Jason will be up here, and some of our other leaders will be here. What we don't want you to do is to ever walk out of this place not knowing that God loves you and we care about you. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for this day, Father, and, and your word, Jesus. And God, how through thick and thin, through our problems, through our suffering, God, you are there and you are solid. You are solid, God, and we rest on that, Jesus. We always come back to the fact that you love us and you care for us, Jesus. God, tonight we ask that you bless this communion. God, we pray that this message takes root in our heart, God, and follows us out, Jesus, and that your life continues to grow through us. That what you want for us, God, even though it looks hard at times, that we would have that foresight, God, to look right through it, God, and recognize the shield that you have around us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Just give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name.